is broken by cloud See the tuna fleets clearing the sea out See the bed wind fires at night See the oil fields at first light And see the bird of the leaving her now After the flood all the colors came out Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I want to say Happy Mother's Day to uh, everybody who's joining us right now uh, at another part of this venue here at uh, Long Point or maybe on the internet uh, or at an off-site campus. We're glad that you guys are along also. Now, I, uh, you, you look so nice. I'm telling you what, when I grew up in Colorado, Mother's Day was uh, when all the guys wore a tie here. Um, you get uh, a new shirt, uh, your best shorts, and a brand new pair of flip-flops. And you look great. You look awesome. We're glad that you, uh, we're glad that you're, you joined us on the way to the beach today. We really are. Um, now, just a word to men today. Uh, this is not about you, okay? At all. At all. And uh, I was going to say I'm sorry, but I'm really not. Uh, but I'm glad you're here. I'll just throw you a bone at the start. Uh, how many of you... Um, you watch the NBA playoffs? How about uh, Kevin Durant? Anybody know who Kevin Durant is? Okay, four guys in this section right here. Great, awesome. And uh, so uh, Kevin Durant is a basketball player from Oklahoma City, plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he is a great Christian guy, and he won the MVP uh, this week. This first time somebody not named LeBron has won the M MVP in a long time. And his speech was killer. Yeah, anybody see that? Anybody see the speech? Absolutely killer. It was, you know, he thanked God, he thanked his teammates, and then he thanked his true MVP, his mom. And uh, everybody's crying, and it's just a, it's kind of a sick moment. But it was a great, it was awesome. It's really, really good. Remember moms today. We don't have to, you know, it's not like a biblical mandate. This is part of the Christian calendar. It's not a part of the Christian calendar. It basically helps Hallmark stay in business. Uh, but I think it's a great time just to stop and honor the women, all the women in our congregation. We're going to do that. I think of my mom on uh, Mother's Day. I, uh, you know, mom went to be with the Lord 24 years ago. If you just calculate a little bit, our church is 26 years old now. And so she only got to see the first two years. And I would love to have you to be able to meet her. I would love to, for her to see you and what's going on. Uh, but uh, So I, I get all sentimental at Mother's Day. But Mother's Day is not all about sentimentality. How, how many of your parents, how many of you have ever cringed when your child said something uh, even mildly inappropriate in a public place? Have you ever done that? 
you know, your kids. It's part of parenting. Uh, kids, do, kids are so honest, they do not have the filters that most adults have. You know, you've been there, you've been in line at Lowe's, you know, or maybe at the grocery store or whatever, and, and your child turns around to the person behind you, happens to be a, a larger male, and says, uh, do you have a baby in your tummy too? You know, that type thing. <laughs> no, don't say that, don't say that. Or what's worse is when they say it to you, you know, mama, your arms are flabby, how come? You say, no, 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 you don't say that. Say to me, uh, papa, you know, you have bad breath. Well, that's good to know, I'm so glad and, uh, that you've shared that with everybody in the restaurant right now. Or, papa, you have a boogie in your nose, really? <laughs> Kids. Okay, so, can you imagine being the mother of Jesus? Magnify that. Okay. Now, Jesus, I don't think he ever said anything socially inappropriate, you know, uh, but he did say some cringeworthy, pretty outrageous stuff. In fact, we're in a series right now. We're calling outrageous. Here's kind of how we flow at Seacoast because it's how I flow. The series was going to be about four or five weeks. I really dig it. So it's going on forever. We have no idea how long we'll do this, but we'll do it for a while because there's some great uh, you know, outrageous things Jesus said. And as a child with a real-life mother, Mary, he said some, some pretty, pretty unusual stuff. And I want to talk about some of that today. In fact, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about kind of three, because three is the perfect number, three scenarios where Jesus said some things to his mother that you go, did he really say that? And what I want to do is I want to dig behind it a little bit and then see what God says to us, especially mothers. How, what, what does God say uh, to women uh, in, in our congregation? And so the first one uh, is, is this. I, if, if, you're, if you're a mother, ever have been a mother, you, you, I want you to put yourself in Mary's situation. Okay? I want you to kind of, this is, this is you and this is your child and it's Matthew chapter 12 and verse 46. Listen to what he says. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside, asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, and they want to speak to you. Now, what would you expect for him to say? Well, bring them in. I don't know if he's seen his mom in, you know, days, weeks, months, whatever. But bring them in. I want to honor my mother. That's not exactly what he says. So Jesus asked, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and he said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So you put yourself there. It's Mother's Day, let's say, Mother's Day. You have a child who has become kind of a big deal. Very, very popular, rock star status, huge crowds, and so you travel a little bit ways, and, and you want to see them. You bring the younger siblings. And, and so you go to, you know, like the green room or whatever, and you knock on the door. One of the posse comes, and you say, hey, I, you know, my name's Mary, and would love to see my son. Just a second, let me check. Goes, and you overhear your son saying, who's my mother? You guys are my mother. Who's my family? You guys are my family. How do you feel? Well, let me talk to you about family, buddy. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. You know, that, most of us are going to feel that way. You know. 
But if you, if you look at the scripture, the next verse doesn't say, and Mary was hugely offended and walked away and didn't speak to him for a year. <laughs> now, we know from other passages that there was tension in his home. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about when Jesus brings division uh, into your home. And we know that on at least one occasion, when Jesus was teaching, uh, his, his family came and said, you need to have him committed. He's crazy. He's crazy. Haul him away. He's crazy. Now, and we, and we also know that his brothers uh, didn't, didn't dig his deal. They, did, they didn't believe what he was saying until after he died and rose again. Uh, but I don't think, it's just me, I don't think Mary was probably in that camp. Because it's real hard, real hard. It can be done, but it's real hard to separate a child from their mother in her heart. She's going to defend it. She's going she's to have another view. And here, I think if we could talk to Mary, I think she might say something like this. You don't know him like I do. You say, well, can you believe what he said? Well, you don't know him like I do. You know, at, at first, uh, I used to take things personally. But then I saw that he was different. He's a whole, on a whole different plane. In fact, he's, he's always teaching there's never a non-teaching moment with this guy. I mean, we'll, we'll be in the garden and he'll pick something up and say, Mama, here's this is like this and on and on and on. He does it with his, with his guys. And so it's a teaching moment. It, I, I don't take those things personally anymore. Now, if you want to see a really bad one, she might say, you should have heard the time when he said, hey, if you're going to follow me, you've got to hate your mama. You've got to hate your brothers and your sisters. So now the brothers got worked up about that. But he said, I know what he means. I know that he's making comparisons. That's what you do in teaching. And he's getting people's attention. And, and what he was saying is basically that your love for your family has to look like hate in comparison to your love for God. Because he doesn't hate me. In fact, I don't feel hated. I've never felt this loved in all of my life. And I wish that you knew him like I did. Maybe Mary says something like that. So what I want to do today is I want to kind of delve into some of the conversations that Mary had with Jesus. I, I wish we had more of them. I wish that it had recorded a lot of the conversations when Jesus was a teenager. That would have been helpful to me. But it doesn't. But it does record some interesting ones. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll take a look at them and we'll see what he said kind of what her response was, maybe the context of it. And then I want to look at specifically what does God say through those situations to women who are gathered here today, moms, daughters, singles, married. What does God say to you? The first one is this. To moms with difficult children, I think God would say, don't give up, don't give up. How do you know that being a mom is a tough job? Have you seen this video? 20 million people did. Just give me one second. Thank sure. you. Sorry. Uh-huh. Hey. Hi. Two minutes. Thank you. Hi. Good afternoon. Sorry about hey, that. Hey, Hi, nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Have you ever done one of these interviews over the camera before? No. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. It's not just um, a job. It's sort of probably the most important job. 
the title that we have going right now is Director of Operations, but it's really kind of so much more than that. Responsibilities and requirements are, are really quite extensive. Uh, first category for the requirements would be mobility. This job requires that you must be able to work standing up most or really all of the time, uh, constantly on your feet, constantly bending over, constantly exerting yourself, a high level of stamina. Uh, uh, okay. That's a lot. For how many, like, for how many hours? Uh, 135 hours to unlimited hours a week. It's basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah? Uh, you mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, no, there are no breaks available. Is, is that even legal? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like no lunch? You can or... have lunch, but only when the associate is done eating their lunch. Uh, I think that's a little intense. No, no not possible. That's crazy. Now this position requires excellent negotiation and interpersonal skills. We're really looking for someone that might have a degree in uh, medicine, in finance, and the culinary arts. You must be able to wear several hats. Associate needs constant attention. Sometimes they have to stay up with an associate throughout the night. Being able to work in a chaotic environment, if you, if you had a life, we'd ask you to sort of give that life up. No vacations. In fact, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and holidays, the workload is going to go up, and we demand that with, with a happy disposition. Uh, that's almost cruel. <laughs> that's almost a, a very, very sick, twisted joke. But when there's time to sleep or... Oh, no time to sleep. Yeah, all-encompassing, all almost. That's exactly right. 365 days a year? Yes. No, that's, that's inhumane. That's, that's very insane. The meaningful connections that you make and the, the feeling that you get from really helping your associate are immeasurable. Also, let's cover the salary. The position is going to pay absolutely nothing. Excuse me? No. Nobody's doing that for free. Yeah, pro bono. <laughs> Completely for free. <laughs> no! What if I told you there's someone that actually currently uh, holds this position right now? Billions of people, actually. Who? Moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moms. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> And they meet every requirement, oh, don't wow. they? Oh my God. Moms are the best. Yeah, there's no pay. They're 24 hours, they're always there. Now I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah, and what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. So mom, I wanna say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through thick and thin, My mom is just awesome. She's awesome. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Yeah. I, uh, that is the viral video of this season, and the card company that did it is, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I, I posted on my blog site uh, today. You can see it today if you want to. We've got that up. But we've also got a video that talks about the backstory to that, how it was made, why it was made, and all that kind of thing. I love it. Now, you, and we would all agree that being a mom can be difficult, especially when your child is God. Would you agree with that? <laughs> so, I want you to imagine this scene. 
They've already traveled over 80 miles by foot in a caravan with friends and neighbors, family members. They've gone, it's a three-day trip from their home in Nazareth to Jerusalem. It was exciting at first because trips are that way. I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go. We actually are getting started. And now that's long faded. And now it's, when will we get there? Are we almost there yet, Mom? Are we almost there? Because they're going to Passover. It's this big holiday. There's three of them a year technically. Although by, uh, where everybody has to go to Jerusalem. And by the time of Jesus, uh, they're only going once. But Passover is huge, and Jerusalem's this small, kind of windy city on a, on a hill, and it's, it's jam-packed normally. Now there are three times as many people as what usually live there. They're celebrating all week. They're vendors, and they're eating and feasting and dancing. It's just an incredible, incredible time celebrating the goodness of God. Now they're on their way home. As with any trip, going home is probably more difficult than getting there because there's not the anticipation. They're tired, they're worn out, the excitement is faded, they're dirty. They're ready to make camp on their very first night. Three-day journey home. Mary says to Joseph, where's Jesus? Dad should know. Dad didn't have a clue, they usually don't. Joseph says, I thought he was with you. No, he was with you. And so they look around. Maybe he's with one of the cousins, and they look, and and he's nowhere. You can imagine the terror in Mary's heart. If you've ever lost a child in a crowd, you know what that's like. And so she says, we've got to go back. He says, we can't go right now. It's night. It would be dangerous. So they wait to the first dawn, the first light of the next morning. Nobody sleeps during the night. They make record time, 25 miles back. To Jerusalem. But once they get there, where do we look? If you've ever been to Jerusalem, it's, it's chaos, especially around Passover time. I mean, I was in Jerusalem twice, and the first time I went, it was the last day of our trip, and I was there with a group of pastors, and the last day is, you know, you're, you're tired, but it's the climatic day, and you go to where Jesus was crucified, where he rose from the dead. As soon as we had that experience together, they said, you've got about an hour and a half till the bus is going to pick you up at the Joppa Gate, and then we're going to the airport. And so we split up, and me and a couple of friends, and we wandered through the various parts of Jerusalem. Most of the roads are no wider than, than maybe 10 feet, 12 feet. They wind through, and it's very easy to get lost. Uh, if, you, if you just kind of either go downhill or uphill and kind of in the direction, you'll ultimately get where you need to go. And so finally, uh, we, about 20 minutes, 30 minutes before we're to go, we get to the bus and I realize I don't have my wallet. I bought something and left it wherever I bought it. My wallet has all my identification, has my phone, has everything in it. And so what do I do now? Grab one of my friends and I go back and I frantically for 20 minutes wind down little streets and all of the shops look the same. I can't find it. At the end of 20 minutes, I just thought, well, I'm giving up. I'll have to figure something else out. And about that moment, I look this direction, and there's a shopkeeper holding my wallet saying, are you looking for this? I couldn't believe it. But I thought about that when I read about Mary. It's not 20 minutes they're looking. It's three 
days. They're looking through Jerusalem for their 12-year-old son, wondering, did a, did a merchant take him? Is he harmed? Where is he at? And finally, it's recorded uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 2 and verse 46. It says, three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. It's like here you've got the, 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 the smartest people in the land who are amazed at her son. She's not that impressed. <laughs> She's happy to have found him and furious to have found him. Have you ever been there as a parent? What are you doing? Look at his answer. Why did you need to search? At that point, she's over the top. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear, I'm sorry, mom, something, give me, an, give me a reason. And so he says, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? I love the next part. But they didn't understand what he meant. Have you ever been there? With your kids? You got an answer, but I don't have a clue what you're saying. It doesn't make sense. Mom, you may be in a difficult season right now. You may be wondering how you can keep up. Some of you are watching the video going, that's my life. I know about that. And then Debbie and I were talking about it with some of our kids, and that is their life. And yet some of the mothers are working full time outside the home with all of that going on. And you may be there. You feel like, I can't keep up. Or you may have a preteen who's struggling with the transition. Or maybe it's a teenager making poor choices. And here's what I think God would say, and I certainly would say, is don't give up. Don't give up. It's just a season. Uh, we had four teenagers growing up in our home. We now have, I always say, 13 grandchildren. We had another one announced last week. Um, um, so it's going to be 14, and it's going to be another girl. So that's 10 girls and four boys, for those of you keeping score at home. Uh, we do blonde. Uh, that's just what we do. And, but I can remember having four teenagers in the home, and if you were in the church, then you know I didn't do many parenting series because I wanted to wait to see how it turned out before I weighed in, you know, on, because the proof is in the pudding, and you guys are all watching the pudding, okay? And so... So Debbie and I were talking about that whole deal. And, you know, we, we watch you, and every once in a while, one of you will stop us and go, how do we handle this? And, and your heart is aching because you're in a difficult season. And our response is always pray. But it's also this. It's just a season. The chances are this, too, will pass. This, too, will pass. I mean, many times we're, we're, we're so focused in on kind of where we are that we don't see that this is... This is just a season. This will pass. And so look at what Mary says. Um, I, 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 it's not so much what Mary says. It's the next verse, which I think really encapsulates it. it. says, then he returned to Nazareth. She finds him. She chews him out. Gives an exp he gives an explanation. Makes no sense to her about his mission. And then things get better. Things get better. 
And then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with all the people. And so what, what I would say to you is, and I think God would say is, don't give up. There are probably better times ahead if you're in a difficult circumstance. Here's the second scenario, and here's what I think God would say. To moms who are experiencing a victory, cherish the moments. Cherish the moments. As a parent, even with difficult children, there are a lot of wins. And sometimes, (laughs) whether it's parenting or anything else, we are so preoccupied with the little minuscule nuisances that we miss the great things that are happening in our lives. Would you agree with that? Uh, my oldest grandson, Miles, um, he's so articulate. I love talking to him right now. He's six years old and just such a wonderful time. And um, We were in the bullpen over here, uh, which is kind of the green room for me before I come out. And A lot of you think that before I come out for a service, I'm deep in prayer. Actually, I'm wrestling with grandkids on the floor. That's just what I like to do. And So it was, I think, before a service this week, uh, uh, it was on Wednesday, I don't, I don't remember, first Wednesday probably, and uh, so I'm in there with Miles and just him and I. And I said, Miles, how was your day today? He said, well, actually, Papa, it wasn't so good. I said, really? Tell me about it. He said, well, actually, it started out good. And he told me something good that happened. But then he told me a couple of things that weren't good. And about that time, his mom came in. And I said, uh, she said, what are you guys talking about? And I said, well, Miles is telling me he hasn't had such a good day. She looks at him and says, Miles, we went on a field trip today. We saw alligators. We saw this, that, and the other. It was a great day. He said, yeah, Mom, it was a great day, but actually some very bad things happened. <laughs> and he had a runny nose and two or three other things. And so she, being a mama, she says, Miles. Yes, we had some bad things, but we had great things. You need to focus on the good things, not just the bad things. And I thought, that's a picture of us. It's a picture of our lives. Sometimes we have challenging circumstances, but they're in the midst of some really good stuff. And, you know, we need to celebrate that. When your child smiles for the first time, when they learn to feed themselves, when they say your name for the first time, when they take their first step, when they practice first-time obedience, when they figure out a math problem on their own, when they demonstrate compassion for a sibling or a friend, when they ask you to read a Bible story or they want you to pray with them about something or as a teenager, when they actually listen to you and they get it, celebrate. (laughs) Cherish the moments. Find some of those moments every day and cherish them. I love this next picture of Mary and Jesus. This is one of my favorite ones. Mary uh, invites him to a wedding. And Jesus now, in fact, it's the next picture we actually get in the Bible because there's a whole section that's not there. From 12 to now he's in his 30s. And uh, he's just gotten kind of his, his posse. He's gotten his first disciples. And Mary says, hey, there's a family wedding. I want you to go to it. And he said, okay. He brings the guys. They all go to a wedding. Now, weddings are interesting. Weddings are usually fun. I love the, you know, the, the kind of uh, uh, celebration that's at the end of a wedding. I kind of miss that and we loved four kids, wedding. I didn't like paying for them, but I loved having a party with friends. It's so much fun. Weddings are always tense. The bride is extremely tense. The bride's mother is wound tighter than that. The groom is loose as a goose, which causes everybody to be tense. And, uh, and then usually at a wedding, 
usually at a wedding, you've got one relative that uses it to make a public stand about something, okay? Might be politics. It could be an ex that decides that they're going to make a scene because they haven't been treated right and da-da-da-da-da. Or it could be somebody that doesn't agree with who's getting married or how they're doing it. Just This has nothing to do with the message. It's a rule of thumb. I've been doing weddings for a long time. Always go. Don't make it about you and keep your mouth shut. Okay, that's just what you do at a wedding. If there are issues, deal with them outside of the wedding. It's about the bride, okay? And so he takes her to a wedding. And Mary tells Jesus, they've run out of wine. The, the caterers uh, didn't have enough wine. I love Jesus' answer. John 2, 4. Woman, <laughs> let me just say this. If I would have said that to my mom, I don't care if I'm 30 years old, she would have said, I'm going to tan your behind. I brought you into the world. I'll take you out, you know. Jesus didn't sin. There's evidently a cultural thing there that I haven't a clue what it is, didn't study it, but I'm sure it's good. But anyway, he says, woman, why do you involve me? It's like this. It's like this. Jesus and Mary have this thing that moms and sons have. He hasn't done anything publicly, no miracles, nothing, but privately she knows, she knows, she knows, and she's thinking, this is his time. It's a wedding, a lot of people here, do your deal. She says, they're out of wine. Jesus says, woman, that has, I, I have nothing to do with that. This is not my time. Mamas always know when the time is. Son of God, remember this, Son of God, Mary, this is not the time. Watch her answer. Being a good Jewish mother, she doesn't listen to him. <laughs> Next verse, verse five. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> Just do it. Go ahead, do it. So Jesus is in his 30s now. He's not a little kid. Someone said there comes a time in every man's life when he must stand up and tell his mother he's an adult. This usually happens at around 45. Okay, so <laughs> she believes in him. Nobody believes in their kids like a mother. Would you agree with that? Especially a Jewish mother, okay? What's the definition of genius? An average student with a Jewish mom. We need more Jewish moms. Mary is a Jewish mother. And so Jesus listens to his mom. He listens to his mom, kind of forced to, a little bit. But he listens to his mom and he performs his first miracle. It's a victory. Now there's an interesting close to this section that I'd really never seen before this week. Next verse, uh, verse 12. After this, after the wedding, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. And there they stayed for a few days. Mom, listen to me. When something goes right, when she picks up her clothes, when he really listens, when they make you proud, stay for a few days. Cherish the moments. Don't move on too quickly. Stop. Remember, difficult seasons will pass. Cherish the good times. Let me give you one more thing that I think that God would say to moms. Moms who are experiencing heartbreak, God would say, one day I will mend your broken heart. One day, 
I will mend your broken heart. One more picture of Mary. This, this one is at the foot of the cross. And it's a sad scene. Her heart is broken. The baby that she rocked in the cradle is now hanging from a cross. The preteen that she searched all through Jerusalem for is now on display in that same city for everyone to see. The teacher she was so proud of, who everybody followed, has now been rejected. And he's being crucified. And she's watching him die. No mother should ever have to bury her child. Her heart is broken beyond words. Mom, maybe you can relate. The truth be known, there are some women here that your hearts may be broken. It may be broken by the heartache of infertility. Our family has experienced that. You say, really? You always talk about your kids, and I understand that in talking about my kids and my grandkids that it can be difficult for some people. And we've walked through that. Our youngest daughter, we've told her story before. She's so much like her mother. All she ever wanted to be was a mother. And for the first several years of their marriage, they went through heartache after heartache losing pregnancies and then finding out that medically really um, it wasn't in the cards for them. And, and I can remember driving uh, here in Mount Pleasant, Debbie in the car, after another heartbreak story, and just weeping together and crying out to God and saying, God, I know you're God and I know you love us, but how much more can these two stand? Remember at response time going to the candles. We didn't tell anybody. But we'd go light a candle for that baby we were believing for. And ultimately, their story has, has had a kind of a good, uh, a good uh, I don't want to say conclusion because we're all in story, but it's had a good chapter. Maybe yours hasn't. And there's heartache. Maybe it's the heartache of miscarriage. Debbie and I have gone through that, our first two children. We wondered if we'd be able to have a family. And when I talk about family now, my earthly family has four kids, but I've got two I can't wait to meet someday in heaven, along with some grandkids. Or it could be the heartache of infidelity. It's broken your family. Or the heartache of hurt, hurtful words or painful memories. Or it could be the loss of a child. Honestly, this is a painful day for you. And I know there are many women who stay away from Mother's Day services for that reason, and I celebrate that with you. I, I, I can't understand the pain that you, you have. But listen to Jesus' words for a minute. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother, it says in John, and his mother's sister, and Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple that he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple who was John, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. You know, even in his pain, and believe me, he's in pain, he thinks about her pain, and he wants to take care of her future. See, Jesus knows that even in his pain, He's got a better day coming real soon. He knows that his father has prepared a place for him, and he's going to go and prepare a place for his disciples. He knows that regardless of what his circumstances are right there, that there is a place that he's going to. Not only is he going to go, he's going to lead where there is no pain, there is no sickness. 
There's no sorrow. There's no premature deaths. He knows that every one of his followers are going to step when they die. Death isn't the end. They step into eternity, into, into a much better place. And don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever forget that. Jesus knows that. But even knowing that, he feels her pain and he knows her pain. And he wants to make provision for her. And so he says, John, this is your mother now. This is your spiritual mother. And he places her into a spiritual family. Did that really happen? Yeah, it did. One of the uh, privileges Debbie and I had a few years ago was to go to Ephesus. And we saw, we stood where uh, Paul preached to 25,000 people at least. And we also saw Mary's house. You see, what you maybe didn't know is that John the disciple became the pastor at Ephesus for a number of years. And he took Mary with her, with him. They built a house. It's a beautiful place up on a hill. Jesus cared about her, made provision for her. What provision does God make for your pain? Three scriptures, and then I'll close. Psalm 34 and verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I love that. God is close. You say, where is God in my pain? Let me tell you where he is. He's close to you. You say, I can't see him. Have you ever been so close to something you couldn't see? That's how close God is to you. He's close to you in your pain. You said, well, if he's that close, couldn't he have made the circumstances different? Well, maybe. Or maybe they could have been far worse and he saved you from something. Or maybe the last chapter hasn't been written yet. I don't know. But here's what I know. I know that he's close. And I know that he's more than close because Psalm 147 verse 3 says he heals the brokenhearted and bandages, however you say that, their wounds. I love that scripture because it reminds me of my mom. I grew up in Colorado, um, just outside of Denver, hilly. In fact, came to Mount Pleasant, thought it had hills, doesn't. And, uh, but I grew up in the foothills. And so when you learn to ride a bicycle in Colorado, you were tough. I'm, people are tough out there. That's why they need marijuana. They are tough. <laughs> and <laughs> I wasn't affirming that at all. That was stupid. That was unfiltered. I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so anyway, when you, let's come back. When, when you learn to ride a bicycle, it was, you know, you're going downhill or uphill, and when you fell, it could be really, you know, I mean, you'd get skinned up. We got skinned up. We, we, we got skinned up. When I'd get skinned up, I wouldn't run in the house yelling for Dad. You don't do that. Yell for Mom. Here's what Mom would do. First thing she'd do is get some of this right here. You know what this is? Peroxide. That's right. It seems like this is a quart. Seems like she'd use a full quart, whatever it was. What did this do? Made my pain worse. Mom, what are you doing? She's cleaning out the impurities. And then she'd put this away at just the right time and she'd bring out the stuff that felt good. She'd put the Band-Aid on and she'd kiss it. Nobody can do it like a mama. Now, usually it would leave a scar, which at those points, that was cool. Scars were cool. Somebody said that uh, tattoos are like scars, or scars are like tattoos, they just have better stories. When your heart was broken and when you were wounded, it says that God 
heals the broken heart. He bandages their wounds. Now, he puts the peroxide on first, and sometimes it feels like it's worse than what it was before you encountered God, before you allowed God to really do what he needed to do, and it's because he's cleaning out the impurities. It hurts, but you got to. Some of the anger, some of the bitterness, some of that kind of thing. And then he puts the ointment on, he bandages it up and he heals it. And sometimes it leaves scars. You know, someone said, from every wound there's a scar and every scar tells a story. A story that says, I have survived. And if you're here, you have survived. God doesn't expect you to do it alone. The third verse, Psalm 68, 6, says this. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy. Jesus knew that his mother Mary would be lonely. Oh, so lonely after her son is gone. He placed her in a spiritual family. Some of you are lonely today. In fact, the loneliest place to be is in a large crowd and nobody knows your pain and they're all doing life normally and your heart's breaking and you feel like you're by yourself. You're in the right place. God knew that you would be here today. This is a spiritual family. This is a place full of broken people. If you came to a perfect church, you missed it. This isn't it. They guided you to the wrong one. This is people who have been broken, who, who have been hurt, and who have experienced God's grace and God's healing and are at various places in that. And we want to place you in a small group, in a family where you can experience the joy again. So, Mom, what picture best describes you? Maybe it's a difficult season that you're in. God says to you, don't give up. Maybe it's a great season. And God says, stay there a while. Cherish the moments. Maybe it's a heartbreaking season. And God says, let me heal your broken heart. A little over a year ago, I found this. And I want to I read it to you today because I think it's so good. This is to every woman in the house. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage or failed adoptions or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes and prods and tears and disappointments, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make it harder than it is. To those who are foster moms or mentor moms, or spiritual moms, we need you. And to those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests and medical tests and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way that you long for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on those complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, and yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and we rejoice with you. 
To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the women who have gathered here today, various places. We probably are all walking through various pieces we all do for what we've talked about today. God, for those who are in a difficult time, I just pray that they'd look to you and remember that it's a season and time moves on. Those that are in a great place of celebration right now, help us to cherish it and celebrate it. Sometimes we've lost that art, God. Show us how to do that. For those that are in times of heartbreak, God, I pray that you would do exactly as your word says today, that you would, they would feel the closeness and that you would begin the healing or continue the healing process. Wherever we are, we just ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.